Man, it feels good to be in the presence of God. Hallelujah. It feels good to be together corporately. What a privilege it is that we get to just meet as a body. You guys can can grab your seats. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Here I go on the ride. (laughs) I think it's better than crowd surfing because there's no one touching you. It's better. (laughs) Hallelujah. Well, hey, um, you know, something that was just stirring up in me today, and and it was was about our need for... um, for intimacy with God, for us to be close to Him, and uh, you know, there was a, a story that that I heard recently of a of a, a a lead singer of a Christian band. Maybe you guys know the story, but he basically came out and said he was an atheist. Now he said, "I don't, I don't believe in God anymore. I have all these have all these questions about you know why does God do this if He says He's this and all these things." And, uh, and you know, I, do you know what I think the remedy is for, for us to never be in that place? Is for you to know God. Is for you to know Him. I, I think of that place, I think of a person that says that, and I'm like, did you never know God? For you to question whether He's real, you never knew Him? You were a Christian, you wrote good lyrics, you wrote all these songs, and you never knew God yourself? Because once you know Him, no one's going to convince you that He's not real. You know him. And how, you know, I wonder with um, believers today, you'd say the majority of maybe the body of Christ, at least in, in the States, how, how much of the relationship with God that they have is, is more like a long distance relationship, you know, where, where communication is rare, where, um, you know, maybe it's mostly by letter form. Is where the, the the relationship exists. I, this this is my relationship with God. Is this and this only? I'm not saying this isn't maybe a key to your relationship, but if this is your relationship with God, you're missing it. And and the funny thing is, this person who knew this really well probably read this often. Ends up walking away from God. What? Why? How does that happen? And see, when you have a long-distance relationship with someone, it's difficult to maintain that. And, uh, and, and this, the, the way that uh, you communicate might, might seem like, you know, have you ever been in this, ever thought this? Oh, I need to, I need to go get an answer from God. It's going to take a few days. It's going to take a long time to pray, right? How many know that's, that mentality says God's far away, but he's, he's a long way away? And our relationship with God should seem like, really, we could say this, that the Bible talks about marriage being an institution that God created that would help us understand our relationship with him better. And and I don't know about you, but um, marriage is supposed to be lived with each other, not having a long space between you, not having a great uh, gap between where you guys are. And so this is exactly how the Lord's designed it as well. He's designed your relationship to be with him like this, to where you need something, you need to talk to him. He's right there. He's not far off. 
You're not, you're not trying to throw up a prayer to heaven and I hope this gets through the atmosphere and I hope this, you know how many believers think that way when they're praying? And what, what's, the, what's the remedy? What's the cure? You know, we're, we're, we're instructed to know God, to know him. You know, Jesus, uh, turn with me, if you will, to John chapter 5. You know, this is a tool to help you to know him so that you can get closer to him. This is not your relationship with God. The, the Bible is an absolute necessity for us to, to understand, for us to grow, but it does not replace our relationship. Our relationship should not be this. You know, most people, when they think of relationship with God, they think, I need to read my word and pray. Read my word and pray. But what they're, what they're thinking is, is when they're reading their word, it's like, okay, God sent me a letter. He's far away. He sent me a letter for me to, to read what he has to say. And how many, how many times is, is prayer more of, let me leave God a voicemail rather than a conversation? Let me leave him a voicemail. He's probably busy, right? Or I don't really expect him to answer. So I'll just go straight to voicemail for him. And see, that's not what God has designed for us. That's not, that's, that's not the way the Christian is supposed to walk in things like healing, power, walk in uh, the ways of the spirit. It doesn't work when your relationship is a long distance relationship. So, so John chapter five, you guys all turned there. I didn't. So give me a sec. Give me a second. John 5, we're going to start uh, verse 39. Jesus said this. He said, you search the scriptures for in them you think you have eternal life. And these are they which testify of me. But you are not willing to come to me that you may have life. I think it's interesting that, that God is not wanting you to try to figure him out. He's not wanting you to try to know all the cross the T's, dot the I's. He's wanting you to what? Come to him. Isn't that what Jesus is saying? Come to me. That's, that's where you're going to find eternal life is in my presence, is with me. You're not going to find it in, in scriptures. You're not going to just um, all of a sudden reading one day and oh, I got eternal life now. I found it right there in the Bible. No, you find it when you find him. And this is really a roadmap to him. But if you don't go down the road, the roadmap doesn't do you any good. And see, this is information. Without, without him, there's no revelation. We need revelation. The way we get revelation is we're with him. So Jesus goes on to define what eternal life is in John 17, a couple pages to the right. And verse three, he says, and this is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. What's eternal life? That you would know that they, or that you would know him, God, and Jesus Christ, whom he has sent. That's eternal life. Eternal life isn't, 
I'm going to read the Bible and I'm going to pray. I'm not against reading your Bible and I'm not against praying. But praying shouldn't be narrowly defined as sending voicemails to the God. Praying should be included with that is I fellowship with God. I'm having a relationship with him where he speaks to me and I speak to him. We have open, open door of communication. Whatever I need, he's already, he's already there meeting it. And that's the way he's designed this to work. And, uh, and, and you know, this word here, it says that you would, uh, that you may, that they may know you, the only true God. That word know is a Greek word that means specifically an intimate way of knowing someone. There's, there's, a, there's at least two different Greek words for the word know that we see translated in scripture. One of them means to kind of understand or to perceive. This word know means to, to know someone relationally, to know someone or something intimately based off of experience. You know, like, for example, this same word was used when, when um, you know, the angel showed up to Mary and told Mary, you're going to have, uh, you're going to have a son. Uh, and, and, and Mary responded, hallelujah, how is this going to happen since I have not known a man yet? That word no is the same no here. It implies deep intimacy. It implies a, an experiential relationship. It doesn't imply, oh yeah, I read about him. I read about God. I could tell you some of his characteristics. It would be like this if, 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 uh, if the way you know, let's say everybody in here probably has a mom. Hopefully you've all, you'll, you'll have a mom at least at some point in your life, right? You probably know your mom differently than you than say someone that's that you've maybe met once or someone that you maybe know about. Maybe maybe you're a sports fan and you have like your 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 favorite quarterback. You might know a lot about your favorite quarterback, but do you know your the, the quarterback? You may know all his stats, you may you may know things that he likes, but do you know him? And without any of the relationship aspect of it, that's not what eternal life is. And and God has designed us to have encounters with him that are real and tangible. If you you read this book, one thing you'll notice is that it's full of people having encounters with God. To where they're having real experiences with God themselves. They're seeing things that are not of this world. They're having visions they're seeing the miraculous happen. They're seeing demonstrations of the spirit. Think of, remember Jacob? He, he wrestled with God. That was a God encounter. He had, a, he had an encounter with God. Remember Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration? Think about that. Remember what Jesus came preaching? He came preaching that uh, the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is at hand. It's not far away. It's right here. When he was on the Mount of Transfiguration, remember who else showed up? Moses and Elijah. And, and it's like, well, where were those guys before they were there? Where'd they come from, right? Weren't they in heaven? Think about how close heaven is to earth. We, we think of heaven, we think it's so far away. 
Do you know heaven is supposed to be a part of our life? It's part, supposed to be part of our everyday life. Heaven's not far away. Heaven is close to us. When we think heaven's so distant, we think God's so distant. Heaven is not far away. Jesus didn't preach heaven's far away. Heaven is here. Heaven is right now. We don't have to wait till death to experience heaven. We don't. God's designed us to to be spiritual beings. He made us the, the, who you are really created to be is a spirit. You have a body. You, you have a mind. You, you live in a body. But you are a spirit being. And the spirit realm, where, where things of God are, is supposed to be very normal for us. It's supposed to be very normal for us to see things, for us to experience things in the spirit. He wants us to experience more. He wants us to see things more. You ever wonder why some people might experience more spiritual things or see things in the spirit, maybe more than someone? I've never experienced anything where I've seen a vision. You know, you might be saying, I've never, never saw an angel. I've never, I've never had an audible voice or something like that. Why, why is it that some experience that stuff to a degree that others don't? Is it God picking and choosing? I think to a degree, very, very minorly, the types of, of encounters that you have is up to God. But I think a lot of it has to do with us. A lot of it has to do with what do we expect? What's our expectation? Do we expect to, to have the same type of experiences that everybody else in the world does? Do we, have to, do we expect to have the same type of uh, experiences that we had before we were saved? Or does this, does this book that sometimes we make everything about actually show us that there's something we should be expecting that's way more than we, than we saw before we were born again? We should be seeing on a, on a regular basis encounters with God. Where, where he's real to us. It's not a matter of someone saying, well, God doesn't exist because a, a squared plus B squared equals C squared. You know, we can formula and say, yep, God's not there. How, how dare you say that? I know, I know him. You're like someone come up to you and say, no, yeah, I don't think your wife's real. I don't think your husband's, I don't think your husband exists. I did a science experiment and they weren't really real. Whatever, I don't care. I don't care what you think. I know who God is because I have a relationship with him and he affects my life. He changes me. He shows me things and, and, and they happen. I've seen his power on display. I've seen people get healed. I've seen people uh, get set free. And see, these encounters are really the catalyst to a life change. They, the encounters with God make this actually come to life before encounters with God. This is dry. This is just words on a page. But when you have an encounter with God, all of a sudden, this is like, no, this is real to me. This is, this is real life. Now it's not just something that's theoretical anymore. No, I was at, at uh, 
at camp, a fusion camp. I was leading a fusion camp this year, earlier this year. I think that was what, January or February? Feels like it was 10 years ago. I don't know if that feels like that to you, but man, it feels like it's been a long few months, right? And, uh, and, and we, were, we were doing this camp, and, and I was leading it, and there was, this, there was these twin girls that, that Fusion's middle school age, I think they were 6th or 7th grade, and, uh, and one of them was, uh, you could tell she just did not want to be there. Uh, come to find out, she's not even a Christian, not saved, has no, no desire for anything of God. And, you know, first night we're praising God loud. We're shouting hallelujah. And, and, uh, and, and kids are having all these encounters with God where they're out on the floor. They're, they're completely laid out. And uh, eyes rolled back in their head. And they're, they, they end up waking up saying, I had this experience in heaven. I saw this. I had this encounter with God. And this, this girl didn't want anything to do with it. Second night, which there was only two nights, Second night, I call, I call her forward, and she reluctantly comes. And I, and I, I did this not as, a, hey, I think I, should, I, I think I should do this, but really as God was moving on me to, to say, no, she needs to, come, she needs to come get a taste and see that the Lord is good. You know what's, what's interesting about even that phrase? You can't taste anything that's far away. <laughs> Think about the phrases and in the, in the, in the scriptures that we have that talk about how close and intimate of a relationship this is supposed to be. Read the book and see that God is good. Throw up a voicemail prayer and see he is good. No, taste and see. Come to him. Get close enough to where you're face to face. Come taste and see he is good. And so I ended up calling her. I ended up calling her up, and she doesn't want to be there. And uh, and I said, I said it's okay. God just wants to. He wants to touch you right now, and and he's gonna he's gonna make things a lot better in your life. I promise. I'm like, do you do you want that? Uh, I guess, sure. You know. So I said, listen, just close your eyes, and lift your hands, and just 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 relax. And she reluctantly does it. And I put my hands on her. And what was, what was interesting is normally when I'm praying for someone, my eyes are closed. But I, I happened to open my eyes this time. And as soon as I put my hands on her head, her eyes, as she's standing there, roll back in, roll, her eyes roll back in the back of her head. And she's just gone instantly. And just, there's a catcher, thank God. <laughs> About five minutes later after she's, you know, she, she's laying there completely not conscious, comes back up and comes up to me. She goes, can you do that again? <laughs> uh, okay, <laughs> sure. Put my hands on her, boom, again. And then, I'm not kidding you. She probably came up to me four or five times that night. And I, and I, was, and I started asking, I was like, well, what's, what's going on? Why do you, what do you like about this? She goes, oh, I'm just, I'm, I'm just seeing things I've never seen before. She ends up getting saved. She ends up getting set free of, 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 of uh, actually suicide. 
And, and what was the, was it, was it me preaching some great message? She wasn't even open to the message. She didn't care about anything I had to say. She had to taste and see that God was good. She had to have an encounter with God. When you have an encounter with God, it opens the door for you to have, uh, for you to have a relationship with him that's based off of not just what somebody else says. It's firsthand at that point. It's the, your relationship with God should be firsthand. It shouldn't be, I'm telling you everything secondhand. You know, I, I, uh, I remember another time we, I, was, I was ministering to some kids and a similar thing, kids out in the presence of God gets up afterward and he wants to share something. So I said, yeah, what's, what's going on? And he says, he said, I, I, I saw, I saw heaven. I said, oh, oh, really? What? Tell me about it. He's like, well, first, before I saw heaven, I saw, I saw a cross. This, this kid, uh, I don't think I'd ever seen him before that, that, that uh, Sunday, never saw the kid before. And he says, he says, I saw this cross in front of me. And, and I find this out afterward. He's not saved. He, he's not saved. He says, I see this cross in front, of, in front of me. And at the bottom of it, for some reason, I, I feel like I'm supposed to dig. So I start digging at the, at this, at the bottom of this cross. And I open or, and I find this, this chest in this, in, in this chest, I pull this chest out, and in, the, in this uh, like treasure chest, I think is how he described it, is, is this key. And he says, I took this key, and I walked over to, to this door that I could see. I opened it, and all of a sudden, I was in heaven. And I was like, you don't know anything about the Bible whatsoever, and that is pure scripture. That the cross would be, at the cross would be the key to heaven. And so we're designed to have those encounters with God. We're designed to have those experiences where it's not just, it's not just theories. It's not just hearsay. It's supposed to be, no, I know God because you know what he said to me? You know what he showed me? And I, and I, could, I could go on and on about encounters that others have had. And, and I've, had, I've had multiple that have been life-changing. I mean, I can tell you my, uh, most of my teen years, I, I grew up having the very, okay, I guess I'm supposed to read this, say my prayers before bed, you know. I was a Christian. I was actually even filled with the Spirit at the time. But it wasn't real to me. I didn't, I didn't, this didn't have any transformative power in my life. Nothing in here was like, wow. You know what, what changed it to wow? I was 21. I was at the end of the road. I was at a, at a, at, my, at rock bottom in my life. And I called out to God. And when I called out to him, he answered. And it was, and it wasn't, it was, there was no question of who it was. There was no question of, of, hold on, let me, let me make sure this is in the Bible. No, it was like, God just answered me and said this about me. And when he said that about me, I, I couldn't even believe it. I was like, I, I, God, there's no way you're, you're saying that about me. You know, you have, you have any idea how big of a sinner I am? You know what I've done wrong? You don't want me. And yet he, he opened his arms 
and he embraced me. And from that night, I've never been the same. And from that night, I've had multiple more encounters. But it wasn't until I had an encounter that I was really changed. It wasn't until I had an encounter with God that all of a sudden this made sense. All of a sudden I had, I found I had purpose. All of a sudden I, I, I wanted to wake up in the morning. I wanted to get out of bed. Praying was, was not seen as an obligation, Christian obligation anymore. It was like something I did all day now. I just prayed all day. I talked to God all day. It doesn't have to be on your knees by, by your bed or in your closet. Prayer is designed to be you and God communing, having open conversation all the time. Literally all the time. I mean, wouldn't it be weird if you ignored your wife half the day? <laughs> it is with you 100% of the time. And God is with you 100% of the time. And so that's what, that's what prayer is supposed to be. It's not supposed to be a religious duty. There's times to get away, just like there's times in your marriage to get away. And for you to have your own, you know, let's go have a date night. But same thing with God. You're supposed to have those times away where you're just, it's just you and him. But the majority of it should be, I'm just going about what God wants me to do. My daily, my daily stuff that he's, he's uh, planned for my life while I'm talking to him, while I'm, while I'm in communion with him. And watch, you'll notice that when that's happening, all of a sudden things that you, things that were difficult are now easy. Things that you used to lose all the time, you find a lot faster. There's so many perks. You'll find that you'll find that there's times where you don't know what to say to someone and all of a sudden you have words. We were not meant to do our life alone. We were meant to do it in communion with God the entire time. When we do that, when when we're doing things that way, that's where you see Bible results. So many Christians, for example, this guy that denounced he was a Christian anymore because he thought he was an atheist. So many Christians, they just live their life like every other every other unbeliever and they send up their prayer. They, they read their, they read their letters from God and, and that's their, that's the extent of their relationship. God wants so much more. He's so, he's so um, longing for you to be close to him. He's so longing for that interaction where, Hey, I want to show you things you know, God encounters, I, I 100% believe this. He wants you to have them more than you want you to have them. He's desiring for you to experience him way more than you're desiring to experience him. He wants to show you things more than you want to see them. One of the, one of, some of the keys to doing this, let's, let's, that, that's, that's really the why on the encounters. I want to go through just real fast some of the keys to, to encountering him. Some things that I've learned myself, some things that I've been taught by children. That's real. Um, First thing is to become childlike, to become childlike. Jesus said that, right? Matthew 18. He said, 
unless you become like children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. You could say it this way. Unless you adopt the mentality of a child, you will not enter into encounters with with someone that's outside of this natural realm. He wants us to have a, a, a mindset of a child. Well, in what ways? Because not every child's mindset is good, right? We, we know that. But there are certain things about children that we are to, to emulate. You know, the, one, the, the first thing that stands out to me about a child and the, and the way that they think is they are, they are innocent. In their own minds, they are innocent. How, how many have kids? They are not innocent. <laughs> they will punch their sibling, and two minutes later, all of a sudden forget about it, and they're totally not guilty of it anymore at all. They live with no guilt about clobbering their siblings or disobeying their parents, which that one really bugs me as a parent. Like, you're sinning before God. (laughs) Repent. And they don't, because they don't even like, what's that mean? They're so innocent. They have no consciousness of sin. They're completely free from sin. You know, uh, you remember the story of the woman uh, who was caught in the act of adultery and famous, famous quote from Jesus. Uh, They're all standing there ready to stone this woman because that was under the law, what you would do. And Jesus says, he who is without sin cast the first stone. You know, it says right after that, it says that they began to drop their stones and leave one by one from the oldest to the last. Who was the first person to recognize they were with sin? The oldest. Who was the last to recognize they were with sin? The absolute youngest. That's the way it is now. You know, I I was um, in ministering and getting kids saved. I have to really explain to them that there's a sin problem. I have to really say, listen, if you've blown, blown up, blown, uh, being righteous, if you've sinned, that's a big deal to God and you're no longer right with him. And this is what sin is. I've also ministered to some, some elderly people. You know what I, you know, the approach that I have to take with them, what Jesus did was really enough to cover your sin. No, really, it's, I know you think you've done a lot of bad things. And that's, that's, the, that's the pushback. Well, there's no way God could really forgive me for all the things I've done. And so this mentality of a child of being innocent is absolutely necessary. Now, listen, the mindset of innocence isn't based off of, I just, I just want to, I just want to think this way. It's based off of Jesus made me innocent. He really washed away my sin once and for all by the blood that he spilled on, on Calvary. He really made me the righteousness of God in him. He really did all that. When I approach going to encounter God with a mindset that has sin I don't step into what God, the the encounter I'm supposed to have. 
remember in, in Hebrews, I think it's 10, it says that we come boldly to the throne room of grace. Boldly. That means you, you're aware that you're supposed to be there, that you're qualified to be there. You're not full of sin. If you're full of sin, guess what? You can't go to the throne room of grace. You're going to sin. Sin and the throne room don't go together. You can't go into the Holy of Holies with sin. Remember that in the Old Covenant? They'd go into the Holy of Holies with sin. What happened? Dead. Oh, bell stopped ringing. Time to tug, tug this one out too. When we go into the Holy of Holies, we have to be sin-free. Now that sin-freeness is really, as far as us today as believers, once you're born again, is really a new mindset that I am completely sin-free. That mindset will also produce freedom from sin. It'll, when you recognize I'm sin-free, it gives you the power to overcome any, any sin in your life. I say all that to say, this is the mindset that must be in us for us to approach God, for us to go and say, okay, Lord, I'm ready to have, I'm ready to go spend time with you. Don't, don't run in with your tail tucked between your legs. You're supposed to run in boldly to the throne room of grace. Notice all these scriptures that talk about going to God. He wants us to go to him. Where's your go to him place? Where, where do you go to God? How, how does that look in your mind when you say, when I say go to God? Cause he's obviously inside of us. So we can really go to him anywhere. But what does that, what does that really mean? And that that's part of the next thing with being childlike is, is being quick to believe being quick to believe because this, these encounters, they don't happen outside of faith. Faith is required to have an encounter with God. If there's no belief in, in what you're doing, if there's no belief, remember the Bible says those who, who come to him must first believe that he is. Well, what if you don't believe he is? What if you don't believe you're going to get anywhere when you go to God? Well, then you're not going to go anywhere. You're not going to get to God. And so you have, this requires faith. It requires, I believe I'm going to have this moment with God. I'm going to be in his presence. It doesn't mean I'm going to believe for a specific thing necessarily. I'm going to believe I'm going to heaven. Well, I don't think it works that way. I've seen lots of people go to heaven. I've seen lots of kids. I've, I've, I've experienced places in heaven. It didn't happen because I intentionally said, I'm going to heaven to, right now. It was, I'm going to God. He's, what, he's my focus. When he's my focus, it works. Remember, remember, this is how it works throughout all of scripture. You keep your eyes on him, you're, you end up where you're supposed to be. Peter in the water. Got my eyes on Jesus, I can walk on water. Get my eyes off of him, all of a sudden, I'm sinking. Every, you know, keeping your eyes on Jesus, who's the author and the finisher of our faith. So when we, when we go to have an encounter with God, it's God, I'm here to be with you. I'm here to encounter you. And it does require a, uh, a decision or a, a release of your faith. However, that might look sometimes for me, I'm just giving some examples. There's, 
There's, we've actually found, and what we try to do with kids is come up with different ways for them to release their faith to have an encounter with God. One thing, one thing I do is I will say, okay, and I'll make it a specific point in time where it's like, okay, right now. And it's like, I'm with God. It's like I crossed over. I stepped out of this realm and into the spirit. I stepped out of, I stepped out of my bedroom and into the throne room. And I did it intentionally. And I did it with full faith, knowing I can do it. I mean, doesn't this word say, come to his throne room of grace? That's the faith that that right there gives me the faith to do it. And so I'm saying, okay, here I go. Now I'm, I'm there. And when you have those, when you have that intentionality, you have the expectation to experience him. What if you've never done this before? You may have stumbled across an encounter. You may have all of a sudden, God all of a sudden divinely did something in your life without really your, uh, without really your involvement, which happens rarely, which is why these do happen in the body of Christ, but rarely. But they happen often to someone who says, no, I'm pursuing God, and I'm going to pursue to have an encounter with him. And when you have an encounter with God, man, it is, it is like it, it, you realize what you lived without for so long. How did I live not, not knowing God this way? How did, I, how did I go about saying I'm a Christian? I didn't even have, I, I didn't even know him like this. So, so that's another way that, that, we, that we do that is with, with like a kid. We're quick to believe. We use our faith. Uh, they have a powerful imagination. Did you know God made your imagination? He gave you an imagination. You know it's powerful. You know that when you're when you're doing when you're having these encounters, part of this part of the 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 actual part of you that's having this experience as far as as far as in your soul is your imagination. Now I believe your spirit's also, you know, having these encounters with God, but it's your imagination that really is perceiving what's happening. And unless you're having an open vision, I've never had an open vision where you're seeing something with your natural eyes, hearing things with your natural ears. I've yet to experience that. I know people that have, but this was, but the things that I've seen, the visions that I've had, it's always been like, like a movie screen in front of my eyes, like an immersed, you know, anybody ever have VR? That's like, you're there. That's what it's like. It's like you're there, but you're not really there. I was conscious of my body. The, t- the times where I've been in heaven, I was totally aware that my body was not w- was still where it was on earth. But it's like I wasn't there anymore. And though I, I really do believe that those happen when you intentionally pursue God in this area. When you pursue him to say, God, I'm not satisfied with, with, with our long-distance relationship anymore. Imagine, imagine if you grew up with a parent that was overseas and you never got to, to see them in person. You never got to hold their hand. You never got to give them a hug. These encounters provide the opportunity for you to have 
actual closeness with God to where it's like, no, I, I know what it feels like to be embraced by God. I know what it's like to, to hear his whisper in my ear. When you do that, when you have these, it changes this. It changes your experience in, in, in your normal prayers. It's like all of a sudden, I want to pr- pray more. I have a desire to pray more. Because I know he's there listening. I know, he's, I know he cares about the things that, that I care about now. Yeah, I know that there's these on the, on, this, on the page. I know there's these words that say this. But until you meet the person that said it, how do you, how do you really trust it? See, real true trust comes not blindly because there's words on a page, but because you know the God that gave those words to you. This letter means so much more to me now that I've had an encounter where, where I've, I've, heard him, I've heard him quote things in here to me. I've heard him say these scriptures to me in person. Also, that makes this seem way more valid to me at that point. It's not, this is not, well, I wonder if this part's real. I wonder if this part's wrong. I wonder if this is mis, you know, I wonder if the person who got this interpretation did it wrong. No, there's no questions anymore because God's actually quoting this book. God wants us to be so close to him. He wants us to have encounters with him. I think he wants us to have it right now. And I know.